Welcome to the addendum, a thing added. On this podcast, Pastor Eric Williams will add to, clarify, and supplement the most recent teachings at Fellowship Renewed Church. Let's start with the summary. Adam and Eve's rebellion against God resulted in a curse on all humanity. Perfect life and fellowship with God in paradise was lost, however, because God does not forsake his steadfast love, he promised to send a man, the Messiah, who would come one day, destroy the enemy, and restore life and fellowship with God, that is, specifically seen in the reestablishment of the covenant with Noah, that God intends to restore all creation. All right, so moving on from that, God's covenants with Abraham, and in turn, Isaac and Jacob, Moses and Israel, and David, these establish two particular things. Number one, the genealogical pathway of the Messiah, and number two, a microcosm of God's salvation plan. Okay, that's the summary. Yesterday, we spent some time doing a very brief summary of each of those covenants and how it leads us to these conclusions. And so I I hope you were able to see that. Okay, so what is this genealogical pathway? And throughout the covenants, we see that God has, first of all, promised the Messiah from the very beginning, from Genesis 3.15. He promised the Messiah and that he's going to come. And so the question, one of our questions is, where is that Messiah going to come from? Okay, that's one part of the question, and that's one part of the solution as well, the genealogical pathway of where that Messiah is going to come from. So another part of this then answers answers our other issue, which is not only where is the Messiah going to come from, but also who is the Messiah going to be and what is he going to accomplish specifically? Because this also answers the question of what actually is the problem? What's the problem? If we know what the problem is, we can figure out what the solution then needs to be. And with the reset of creation with Noah, we we see that it's it's not how things had become. And so if if Noah can come in as a second Adam, and all the work, all, all the earth has been washed out through water, and all the sinfulness has been destroyed then earth gets a second chance. Humanity gets a second chance to do things right. Where Adam messed up, maybe this new Adam will do better. Maybe the new humanity will do better than the previous humanity. And of course, that doesn't work out, does it? So with Abraham, and then with Moses and Israel, and then with David, what we see then is a microcosm begin to form alongside the genealogical pathway a microcosm of how God is going to accomplish redemption. Okay, so that's where all these types, figures, shadows uh, come from, is that God is showing us how he's going to accomplish redemption through the Redeemer. There's a lot more specifics to it, that you can go a lot deeper with that, but I'm I'm just giving a, a general summary of what we see that is on the surface. 
So if we see that God has one unfolding plan, he doesn't have multiple unfolding plans, but he actually has one plan that's multifaceted, has many different elements to it. That's true. Everything serves its purpose in its time. That's true. God is faithful to all his promises. That's true. Uh, But what is God doing? What is his plan? Where is he taking all of all of life? Where is he taking all of human history? Where is he taking creation itself? Okay, so those are some of the big questions. We also said that all the previous covenants and promises of redemption intentionally anticipate, intentionally anticipate the establishment of the new covenant in Jesus. So these other covenants, you got you have to remember how God views time, first of all. God does not see time linear like we do, uh, but God sees all of time the same. This is a very important aspect to understand about God. Uh, he, he created time. It's hard for us to think outside of time, but God actually created time. And so when he thinks about time and when he, and when he speaks and when, when things are recorded in a linear fashion, sometimes we get caught into the trap of thinking that God thinks of time in a linear fashion like we do, but he doesn't. He sees time very different than we do. And so, uh, for example, something that happened 2,000 years ago um, in Jerusalem is viewed as something happening today from the same aspect uh, in God's mind because he views all of time uh, the same. He is outside of time, okay? But that also means that he views 2,000 years from now uh, as he does this moment in time, as he does 2,000 years ago. God's, God's aspect of time is different than a human aspect of time. Why are we talking about that? Because when God was doing things in the garden, um, did he have in his mind perfectly what would happen thousands of years later? Uh, the answer is absolutely. He knew what he was doing, but the revelation to humanity about what he was doing came to us over time and it started with a vagueness and then got more specific over time until he would show us exactly what it is that he was up to okay Um, some of that still impacts us today because although we know that a new create a new heavens and a new earth is coming and people ask you know what is heaven gonna be like what's what's that new create what's that What's that new creation going to be like? What are we going to be doing there? How, you know, right. Some of that, uh, you know, admittedly is, is blurry to us, isn't it? We get a kind of a foretaste of some things that we need to know. If we needed to know more, then we would have more information, wouldn't we? Um, but we, we are limited in certain aspects. So even now, even with the New Testament revelation of all these things, even now we see through a mirror or through a glass dimly, right? Um, one day we will know perfectly all these things, but that's not, it's not today. Uh, so, but, it, but a day is coming um, when these things will be uh, revealed to us. Um, but it's not for now. It's not for this period of human history. Okay, so what do we have then? Well, we have the writings of the Old Testament. We have the writings of, of the New Testament, what God has spoken to us. All right? And so that's why we, we then take what God said in the Old Testament. 
we take what God said in the New Testament, and we see that the New Testament writers are writing in reflection upon all that God had said in the Old Testament and what, all, what the Old Testament had anticipated. And then the New Testament comes along with revelation from God. God is the same author of the Old Testament as he is of the New. Um, but he's revealing things in a different way. God doesn't have a new plan, but he's revealing things that he had not previously revealed. I hope that's become clear to you. Okay, so we looked at three aspects of the New covenant and one was the promise of the new covenant where we looked at the old testament and its anticipation of what the new covenant would be and three key texts that we looked at there and then we looked at the newness of the new covenant focusing primarily on the author of hebrews and how the author of hebrews um, understood that promise of the new covenant in Jeremiah 31 specifically as he quotes it. So that those new things anticipated in Jeremiah 31 and the new covenant, generally speaking, it's just that the author of Hebrews quotes Jeremiah 31, that these things have been fulfilled in the new covenant in Jesus Christ manifested in the church. Okay. That is specifically the law of God will be within the people. All the people will know the Lord. The sin of the people will be completely forgiven. The relationship between God and the people will never end. And the people will live in the city of peace forever. That is our inheritance to come. Right? So all the things that were anticipated about the newness of the new covenant belong to us who are in Christ. And all those who are in Christ by faith are known as the church. Okay? So that's that's us. There was one thing here that I didn't. Uh, spend a whole lot of time on. I, I think actually it may be a section I skipped entirely. Um, so I, I just wanted to read uh, this this passage for you in, in a summary. Jesus is the promised Messiah, no doubt about that. Um, I, th- I think that's abundantly clear from everything that we've been talking about and seeing it in the scriptures. But coming with all the baggage of of the last five weeks, and that is the baggage of of the Old Testament and anticipation, saying that Jesus is this Christ, um, I hope, has more impact. Uh, But we should look specifically at Galatians 3, 13 through 19. This passage has been used in this series, but I I, I just want to use it again um, and, and make some summary about it. It says, Galatians 3, beginning in verse 13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree, so that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so that we might receive the promised Spirit through faith. To give a human example, brothers, even with a man-made covenant, no one annuls it or adds to it once it has been ratified. Now the promises, plural promises, were made to Abraham and to his offspring, We know that, right? Uh, It does not say, and to offsprings, referring to many, but referring to one, and to your offspring, who is Christ. This is what I mean. The law, which came 430 years afterward, does not annul a covenant previously ratified by God so as to make the promise void. For if the inheritance, the inheritance comes by the law, it no longer comes by promise, 
but if God, but God gave it to Abraham by promise. So why then the law? Why, why was the law of Moses instituted then? What was its whole purpose? Paul says it was added because of transgressions until, until the offspring should come to whom the promise had been made. And it was put in place through angels by an intermediary. That's a lot of information there regarding promise, inheritance, Abraham, the offspring of Abraham, because it says, and we know, that the promise was made to Abraham and his offspring. How are we to understand that? Well, Paul is is going into very uh, significant detail here and saying that you need to understand a very, very important aspect of this whole thing. And the important aspect that we have to wrap our minds around is that the promise was made to Abraham and his offspring. True. The incorrect way to understand that, according to Paul, who was a Jew, is to say that it referred to more than one person. It's wrong to say that the offspring is is incorrect to view it as more or anything other than Jesus himself. So when God made the promise to Abraham and his offspring, God made the promise to Abraham and Jesus. That's what Paul just said. It says now in verse 16, the promises were made to Abraham and his offspring. It does not say offsprings, referring to many, but referring only to one. To your offspring, who is Christ. That's it. So the promise was made. It's not that the promise was made to Abraham and his offspring and it was many people and the many people failed. Wrong. That's that's saying that God had two plans. That's saying that God made a promise to Abraham and his offspring, who was national ethnic Israel, and they were taking those promises and, and they were doing their best, but they failed and God had to come up with plan B, which is, well, because they failed, I'm going to make another offspring who will then be obedient and I'll give, I'll, I'll, I'll make sure that he inherits the, the blessing. But it's, it, that's not even it. It's that when God made the promise, Jesus was in his mind. That's so significant. Jesus was in the mind of God when God said to Abraham, to you and your offspring, not referring to many, but referring to one who is Jesus Christ himself. God made the promise about Jesus. So the great promised inheritance was given to Jesus, the offspring of Abraham. He is the Messiah. And now Jesus freely shares that inheritance with all those who come to him in faith, and he shares it with all people without distinction. What do we mean by without distinction? Galatians 3, 26 through 29 clarifies that. It says, For in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you were baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. What? That's, I mean, that's, that's so significant that 
who who are these offspring now? I thought the offspring was only one. That's true. He's not going, he just said this a few verses ago. He's not going back on what he just said. So the offspring is one singular individual who inherits the blessing. Okay. God made the promise to Abraham and his offspring. The offspring is Jesus and it was always meant to be Jesus. So that great inheritance, which is far that the, the the reality of the inheritance expands just like the the ones who are the inheritors it, that that idea expands right uh, so what is it that we are to inherit that there's there's one inheritance and God always intended it to be one thing just like he intended the offspring to only ever be one thing um, this is what God intended so he's saying that that inheritance was given to the offspring of Abraham and that offspring is Jesus. Now, now that Jesus has that inheritance, what he does is he now shares that inheritance with all those who come to him in faith, because now we are found in Christ. And so if we are in Christ, all that is Christ's now belongs to us. So we then become heirs, just like Jesus, co-heirs with Jesus. That's amazing. So now we get to share in that promised eternal inheritance. And what a joy it is. It has been a joy to talk about these things together with you. And I just wanted to end today by uh, offering up some resources. Some have said, I really enjoy these things. Um, Are there any materials that I can uh, look at, uh, more reading I could do to uh, learn more about about these things, about the covenants, about God's one big plan, all these types of things. And the answer to that is yes. And it really just depends on the level uh, that you want to, that you want to go to with these things. And so I'm going to offer a few different levels for you. Okay. So the resource, if you're watching this rather than just listening, I'm, I'm holding these, okay, in my hand, but the, the resource um, that I'm going to recommend to the vast majority is going to be this book right here, which I've actually removed the dust cover. So it just, it looks like a very generic <laughs> light blue book. Uh, but this book is called Christ from beginning to end. And uh, it was written by two people, Trent Hunter, Stephen Wellam. And uh, here you go. I'll show you a, a picture there. Okay. Christ from beginning to end. Uh, this in in very plain English, and I think written very uh, very well, um, tells us the whole story. Christ from beginning to end. Okay, if you want to pick that up, I think it's somewhere around fifteen dollars on Amazon. It looks like it's about two hundred and seventy pages. Okay, so that's resource number one. Uh, resource number two, I don't have in my possession. Um, but it is called God's Kingdom Through God's Covenants. And it is a, uh, a summarized, scaled-down version of another book that I do have, uh, God's Kingdom Through God's Covenants. That one is written by Peter Gentry and Stephen Willem. Okay? Another one I do have. This one is called Progressive Covenantalism. Okay? Uh, this one is, uh, it's a little bit more specific, uh, to certain things, but it answers big questions. Um, like, uh, what about the Mosaic law? What is the relationship between Israel 
Christ and the church? Um, what about the Sabbath command? Uh, what is this uh, multitude of nations? What about ethics? Uh, what about the land promises? Things like that. Okay, so this answers some some of those questions. Uh, that's a little bit thicker uh, reading, dense uh, reading. But anyway, that's that one. Last one. Uh, this is the uh, primary biblical theological resource, and it's called Kingdom Through Covenant. As you can tell if you're watching, uh, that's a thick one. Um, this book is 930 pages long. Um, it has been incredibly uh, helpful for for me personally uh, in, in these things in my studies. And uh, it's called Kingdom Through Covenant, A Biblical Theological Understanding of the Covenants. Okay? Written by Peter Gentry and Stephen Wellam. Okay? Uh, so anyway, there are some resources for you if you would like. Again, that, that primary resource that I would recommend to you is called Christ from Beginning to End by Trent Hunter and Stephen Wellam. And uh, I guess I just want to say here as we close our time today that... You know, there are a lot of theological nuances here, maybe unanswered questions. And, uh, you know, that's okay. The theology for everyone, for all of us. First of all, none of us has perfect theology. That's, that, that's number one. You should know that. Second, um, we always base our theology uh, from Scripture itself. And so, while we could spend our time... Um, with lots of other things, I truly, truly believe that if we focus our attention on what Scripture truly says, and we have that image in our minds of what all God is doing, what all God has done, then it helps us to see these other things, such as um, how the church should function in the book of 1 Corinthians, which we're getting back to this coming Sunday. It, it just puts it in a proper perspective. And that's what we need. Perspective matters. Okay, so when we get back to uh, 1 Corinthians, we see these things um, in, in light of all that God has done. Nothing changes um, as, far as, as far as that's concerned. Now, I, I do hope things change as far as the way that we go about approaching these things, right? It should uh, increase our our love for God, our view of God, our image of Him, His grandness, His love for us, His mercy, and His grace. Thank you for joining us on the Addendum Podcast. For more information about Fellowship Renewed Church, visit frcsparta.com. Please join us for next week's episode.